0: We're here. We are here. We are. We are recording. Recording, yes. We once got it. We got a new spot. This is our third. Is this the third location? Well, let's see. No, We're your gonna... house. We've done the closet. Started out in the fucking closet at the gym. Yep. And then my house. Two. My house once yep. or twice. Yep. Three. And so. Oh, we did the Skype. That's right. We did do the Skype. So you did it from your uh, from Texas. From Texas. So there's four. So yeah, sort worth of the. The new Catalyst Training Center yep. uh, recording, so our fifth location. Here we are. Here we are, making it work. So yeah, I, uh, my mother-in-law is in town visiting from Hawaii, so she's How occupying the office.
1: How long is she in town for? Through Monday.
0: It was uh, her son lives in Boise, and so she was visiting him, and then Boise's obviously a lot closer to uh, Colorado than Hawaii is. So, since she was in the area, so to speak, she decided to jump on a plane and head uh, head over here for a few days before she goes back to Hawaii. That's cool. yeah, no, that's good. She hasn't been out for a while, um, so it's good. Yeah, to see the kids and all that. Kids, just, you know, it's been a couple of years, and with kids, a couple of years is it's like a lifetime, man. It's a lifetime. It's like a, a different person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so. Um, yeah, we're gonna take her to Glenwood Springs today. May hit the. I don't know if we're gonna do the hot springs or not. The hot springs seems like a better idea in the uh, winter. But. Yeah.
1: yeah. Especially uh, depending on the day. Yeah. The hot springs are kind of nice. The new one's nice. That uh, Iron Mountain Hot Springs. You remember that one? They won't let you take kids. Oh, really? Yeah. No That's kids. why it's so nice. No kids at all in that one? I think so. I don't
0: know. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Because I'm like just. So they have the main one is it the one that's off on the the right side of the highway it's so like when you're when you're driving into glenwood like the the pools on the right yes. yeah yeah the, there's, pools, there's hot you can pools. see it from the highway there's and hot and
1: spring pools that are like right on the river right on the river right. dropping down yeah, yeah on the right yeah no yeah.
0: kids huh? No, no it's a only so oh,
1: i wonder why i like it so much Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> You know, there was a, uh, they're doing that at the one in Uray, too. You know, they did that big renovation there. Yeah. And it's nice. But they have, uh, you know, they got the big light pool. They got, like, the kid pool and, like, the general hot yeah. springs pool. Well, then they got one up on a riser that sits above. It's got a nice little waterfall, and it's good size. Yeah. And it's 18, 18 plus. So, they don't, nice. and they, I saw, they were pretty strict with it the one time I was there. Good. Um, there was some younger girls came up and they were close. They were, I mean, they were probably 16 right yeah You know, I'm just kind of looking at. Them. Today's age could be fucking twelve. Yeah, it's hard to know, <laughs> that's that my rough guess. Yeah, and uh, they climbed into the adult only pool, and it didn't take but a couple minutes, man. Some lifeguards over there kicking them out. Yeah, <clears throat> good. I gave me a little fist pump. Right. right. On my brother. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have
0: kids. But I'm definitely a fan of kid-free zones. And I understand because, dude, there's so many bad parents out there. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. You got like, it's we, the we say there's bad kids. Exactly. It's not, dude. The kids up until, especially, you know, really young, like, they're just a reflection of their parents' fucked up shit. And so, yeah, you just have to deal with, uh, with parents who are just checked out, not involved. Or else they don't want to, you know, they're buying into this whole love and logic bullshit where you don't want to squash your precious little flower's self-esteem by telling them no. Like, hey, guess what? You screaming like that is probably annoying to all of the other human beings around us. And you're not the most important thing in the universe. So maybe you should stop. But no, you don't want to do that, man. Like, You just want to let your kids fucking rage because... Uh, It's easier. It's easier. See, that's the thing that pisses me off. Everybody's like, I'm doing it. You know, I love my kid. I want to develop their self-esteem. I don't want to, you know, smash their fucking developing self-esteem. It's like, no, motherfucker, you're doing it for you. Like, there's nothing on this world that you do for someone else. Like, I'm a big believer in the whole Ayn Rand, like, fucking selfishness motivates everything. Like, you don't do anything for anyone else. Everything that you do is for you. And so, like you're doing that for you because that's the easier route because it's hard to punish your kids it's hard to be consistent and be engaged so like that's yeah it's not for the kids it's for lazy ass fucking parents
1: <laughs> so <laughs> i mean, i will to go off on my laziness rants today I'll no that's good save that for another fucking time we're sitting in a gym this
0: is the place for laziness rants
1: Cocksuckers. I know. I see so much of it on a daily basis, dude, that just infuriates me. And I don't know why i let agitate me so much. So if you, uh, I won't rant, but I will. So I was up on the ladder of paint yesterday. Yeah, got him going. And <laughs> I see my, one of my neighbors comes out of her house. And this is it. I mean, she's not old lady, but older. It's hard to gauge because she is not, just from appearance, is not very healthy. And, you know, we have one of those group mailboxes down at the end of the street. It's a little farther than your mailboxes. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't even say a quarter, maybe a quarter mile from my house to the mailbox. But, but probably not even that not even that, 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 That's, dude. One, that, that's, that's one, one lap one, around one, a lap track, track, dude. That. It's not even one lap around a track. Dude, if it's 200 meters away, I'd yeah, be fucking shocked. You yeah, gotta it's got to do within like 100 It's probably you're a half meters. a lap around the track. You know, give, it, yeah. but, but I see her, and cause she drives kind of like an asshole in the neighborhood, but she's, she's got a lead foot. She drives pretty fast and I hear her pull out of the driveway and I see and she goes flying down and I didn't pay attention to where she's going. And 30 seconds later, she comes hauling ass back down the street, pulls into her driveway. I see her mail in her hand, like she drove down to the mailbox. <laughs> dude, like that walk down the mailbox would have done you some goddamn good. Right. Like, oh no. <laughs> no. drive down to the mailbox. And turn yeah. The mailbox back. Well dude, that's. That kind of shit just
0: frustrates me. Like mm. It's avoiding the struggle. Like how you do one thing is how you do everything. You're- I, so I guarantee you, like that's just a reflection of how she lives her life, avoiding struggle. Because somewhere along the line, she bought into again. It's it's easier to buy into this bullshit that like, you know, the you're here to seek pleasure and avoid pain. That's it. That's the that's the highest calling that you have as an animal, is to seek pleasure and avoid pain. So that's it you know there's no struggle there's no higher purpose we're not called to anything else and like that's what I, again I think we talked about this last time like that I think that's why this shit irritates you I know it's why it irritates me because like I see it and I'm like you know if I'm trying to be uh, take a fucking benevolent spin like a nice spin on it like it's wasted human potential like that lady could be the greatest fill in the blank ever right? Like she had some potential that she could be fucking awesome at something, but you got to struggle for it. There, you, nothing comes free. And so you buy into this shit early on and you're just, it's, and so like, that's what frustrates me because it's not, you see it and you just know, man, like that's not good. It's not natural, but it's just fucking wasting your potential, man. These fucking people are taking up space. NPCs. On player characters. (laughs) I was like, what
1: the fuck's NPC? It's what it is, man. Like a
0: lot of people, like, unfortunately, that's the role they play in the world. It's like they're the fucking baker that every time you go in the store, it's like, you know, they don't play any other role in the game. They just they're the baker. And it's like, all right, cool, well we need bakers, but bakers don't fucking make the world go around, like move things forward, right? So like just mindlessly going through your tasks and and like, yeah, if you want to be the greatest baker ever, great. That's not what most people are doing, right? Like, they're just like, hey, we need a fight. There's a village full of these fucking characters. You know when you walk in and you're playing a game. It's like all these computer-generated characters. And they just, all they have, all they're doing is taking up space so that the dynamic character has a background in which to perform, you know? Because there's no context. You can't be a hero if there's no context. So they're just forming the context for the hero. And, like, unfortunately, that's... A lot of people fall in that role in the, in
1: life. Context people. <laughs> yeah. They're just forming the context for your story. Speaking of that, I found a guy that has a similar mindset. I remember reading this book. I talked about it a long time ago. I bought it and I hadn't started reading it yet. I'm about halfway through now. It's called The Alternate High. The, the guy's name is... Uh, I'm gonna, the pronunciation I'm sure I'm going to fuck up He's a Swedish guy. The way I read it is Goran... Crop, and it's G-O-R-A-N is his first name. He's got the two dots above the O. Right. So I have no idea if it's how you pronounce it. Last name is like K-R-O-P-P, whatever. We'll call him Goran Crop. Okay. The dude is a madman. Swedish fucking mountaineering madman. He, so I just said he's mountaineer. Like, he he started when he was a kid. You know, his dad had him out hiking all these mountains in Sweden and all over the goddamn world. And... You know the one of the big draws in mountaineering when you get to these guys' levels is hiking the seven highest peaks in the world, the Seven continents. All they're all over eight thousand meters. You know wherever that right. adds up to. And uh, he wanted to go do Everest. I think he had tried it and he had to get turned. He got turned back, which is pretty common. You know if storms come in or whatever the case may be. And. He got really agitated because it really became just an a ego thing for people with a lot of money. Right. Yeah, I mean, that, this book takes place back in mid-90s, I believe, when he was doing it, mid to late 90s. And he would see all these fucking people. If you got a lot of, a lot of cash, you had no business being up on Everest unless you trained for it. Yeah. But they hire all these porters, all, all the sherpas. And all this fucking gear, and, you know, they'll drop. You know, it it cost some of these people like $60, 70 thousand dollars. This was back then. Yeah. To go on the Everest expedition, because you gotta have a permit, and they only got all so so many permits every year to climb Everest. Well, he got really agitated at all this because people were just fucking up these places. Because you got the different base camps along the way, and they're just littering the base camps, leaving shit all over the place. They like, totally. Yeah. In, in my mind, mountaineering is about you should when you go out in the, in the wilderness and hike like that, it should be just you in the wilderness, and you should really respect what you're partaking in and the environment and all this shit. And people just don't give a fuck. Yeah. And, and they hire, they'll just hire as many sherpas as they need to carry all the fucking gear. So they're doing the sherpas are doing most of the grunt work. It's just a disgusting thing. And he saw this and he was super agitated. Just like you get their picture at the top. Yep. Yep. And so he he was like, I want to do it all on my own with zero fucking help. Even zero supplemental oxygen. Yeah. Really, only a few people have done that. Right, yeah. Since like 1920. I think first people that ever summed him on was so like 1920 something. And there's only been a couple of people. Literally just a couple yeah. right, without supplemental oxygen. Yeah. Well, he wanted to do the whole expedition from the time he left his goddamn doorstep <clears throat> to the time he got to the peak by himself. He brought people along to document it and this and that, but beyond that, he refused to like eat any food they gave him, anything. Yeah. This madman decided to ride his bike from Sweden to Kathmandu, wherever the fuck it is. That he's got to get to the, the the village to start the expedition which was like 8,000 mile bike ride. Yeah. So he did it, and he had this crazy trailer he pulled behind us and all these saddlebags hooked to his bike. So he rode that almost 8,000 miles from Sweden to Nepal. Parked the bike, then he hiked from there to the base camp. <laughs> I think you locked it up. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was pretty <laughs> day hike just from like the yeah. village just to the initial base camp right then you got to hang out at the base camp and yeah. all this stuff. the stuff process so this is what this madman's doing is and I, i'm to the point in the book to where he made his first go at it and he made he, he was real close he got to like the southern peak i think they call it and he had to turn back <laughs> like he was crashing yeah weather was coming in Time is an issue, you know, if he can't get to the peak at a certain time And the starts becoming an issue, all these factors. So he had to turn back. That was his first attempt And obviously he's gonna make it. That's when you know, he wrote this book He's gonna make it to the peak, but he had to turn back, go to base camp, eat some food, you know, and figure out Figure out when he's gonna head back up. But yeah, it's these type of guys that I love. I love reading about. all. Like, this guy is a savage. Yeah. Because just. And there, I started reading it again. It's been on my shelf ready to read, but I came across the story a couple weeks ago, actually, when I was in Michigan. There was a big news story about some guy that died going up Everest. And one of the reasons he died is the adventure, the hike, the section of the hike that he was doing, probably about the section I'm talking about, the same section this guy's in. It should be like about a 12 hour hike. But there were so many people on Everest. Yeah. It was like a line at a goddamn amusement park.
0: Yeah, I've seen pictures. Pictures. It's fucking insane.
1: Insane. Like, (laughs) completely fucking insane. And one of the reasons this guy died is because what turned into should have been a a 12-hour hike was like 18 to 24-hour hike just because you're waiting on people. Yeah. Like, what is the point of doing it at that point? Like, yeah. what, well, why are you doing it at that at that point? Why? Right. It's just to prove that you can do it, but you're not even really fucking doing it. You're paying. Yeah. People, you're paying people to do all the hard work. To carry all your shit, do all this, do all that, and you're in a line of people to get to the peak. Like so agitating, man. And I so I can totally relate. relate. I'm not a mountaineer, by, right. by any stretch of the imagination. But I can totally relate where this guy's coming from, and he was even talking about it. And this is 20 years ago, 20, 30 years ago, whatever the fuck it was. Like the base camp is just riddled with people that have no business of being on that fucking mountain. They just are well-off people with a lot of money. Yeah. He thought he came across one guy who was like an average. He was the guy who was a mailman from actually I think from Michigan, and had spent his life savings to get up there and try it, and. The amount of money, the amount of money it costs to do something like that is nothing significant. significant. It's it's significant. Yeah. But most of the people up there are just rich motherfuckers. It's just a rich man's hobby now. Yeah. He's just disgusted by it. Most people have no business, no business being up here. Yeah. And they just, they got the loot to do it, so they do it. Yeah. To me, that's so frustrating. Taking something so pure and so beautiful is... Climbing to the highest place on the goddamn planet, just because you got extra loot, because you made some good investments. Yeah,
0: do it. Yeah, people want to do it, but you know, I mean, there's always the, you know, where's the, where's the line? Because somewhere between the fucking sherpa carrying everything for you and you riding a bike from your house in Sweden to the mountain. Um, I think we'd all agree that that's maybe a little extreme. You can probably just a, just a touch, a little help, you know. Maybe <laughs> a plane would, you know, would, would be okay. Um, he hired
1: a plane to take pictures of him, right? Trying to time all when the plane would leave the yeah. village to when he'd get to the peak, right? And take pictures of him. You know, what's funny is
0: like. So this guy's got some. Little, this guy's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah, not. Yeah. Poor. Yeah. No, you, you, if you're gonna be that eccentric, you gotta have some means. But no, the uh, I'm sure. you um, you remember the Mark Twain book yeah. and he had a quote in there that's just stuck with me forever because it, it rings true for mountain biking as well uh, they've replaced skill and courage with money and technology Yep, that's, like, that's exactly what it is, it's like skill and courage, you, it used to be required, like there was no way that you could even do that without it and now thanks to money and technology the skill and courage aren't nearly as important because you can fucking buy your way through it. So, But yeah, but it gets people who don't need to be there. I just, it was, <clears throat> the, there's so many parallels, man. I can't help but always look at shit through the eyes as a, as, a, as a mountain bike coach. But I see the same thing, man. You see people out on the trail, and they have fucking zero business being out there. None. But they've got a $10,000 bike and all the equipment... And, you know, they've hired some coach to give them some skills lesson or something like that. And, but they have, you know, they're not, they're not training, you know, like that's the other thing. I say this shit and it pisses people off, but like just cause you own a mountain bike, it doesn't make you a mountain biker. And it's like the same thing. Like just cause you own some crampons and, and some fucking climbing picks, it doesn't make you a mountaineer. Like to, like there's a, there's an art, there's a spirit to it. You know, same thing with jujitsu, man. Just cause you fucking own a gi does not make you a, like a, you know, like jujitsu player, like whatever, you know, we, what's a fucking term for what's us? Term? It is so funny. I'm just like a jujitsu guy. You're yeah, guy. but it is funny how you got like mountain biker, mountaineer, right. right? Like every other fucking sport, there is a term, a universally recognized term that you use for the people who do that sport. And like jujitsu is so weird that we don't have that. But, uh, but anyway, same thing, right? Like there's definitely a spirit to... Jiu Jitsu that you know is is different than you know Jiu Jitsu is fun and because you almost can't replace skill and courage like money and technology just can't replace skill and courage Don't, "Ah."
1: don't exist you can buy that most expensive gi in the world. Yeah. Doesn't mean a goddamn thing. Doesn't mean thing. a goddamn
0: thing. You take privates from all the best people in the world. Like it does not matter, man. At the end of the day.
1: May give you a slight advantage. Yeah. But that's at the end of the day when you slap hands.
0: Yeah, the spirit of jiu jitsu will let you know whether you are doing it right or not. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, you can say that about so many sports. But yeah, that's why, yeah, you get those sports like mountain biking or mountaineering and they have that technology element and you just always run into that where people have no business doing it are able to weasel their way into the tribe and they usually end up fucking shit up for everybody because you don't belong here, man. Yeah. Like if you were a mountaineer, you would not litter base camp. No, but like, you know that, right? And I see the same thing, man. I think like, again, when we live here in freedom, you see fucking, you know, we invite all these mountain bikers here and so you get so many weekend warrior motherfuckers who, who are not real mountain bikers and so they don't know the rules of the trail. They're out there riding across these our fucking sensitive cryptobiotic soil, you know, uh, making trails wider, just you know, fucking shit up. And it's like because they just don't know the basic rules of the trail, like what you know. If you were a mountain biker, you would know these things. And it's, uh, but yeah, man, that's a good thing with jiu jitsu is like we beat the, those people who don't figure that out get. Fucking beat out of the sport pretty quick like if you're you know uh, if you can't figure out the the rules of jiu-jitsu like don't be a dick you know don't go 100 on you know like there's basic rules that keep you uh cool with the rest of the tribe but man yeah, sports that don't have that intimate contact with other people and you're able to kind of hide behind shit ah it's so annoying to see those so fucking annoying. people and you know them, man you can smell them like it's just like oh you're a fucking faker. You're a poser. Mm-hmm. Like you're in love with the idea of being a mountaineer, not you're, actually being a mountaineer. You like to tell people you're. Yes. A mountaineer. Yes. It's a it's fucking a, virtue a, signal among yeah. your other friends. Yep. And you try
1: to get these accolades to prove that you're a mountaineer. Yeah. But it's not, It's, like a it's not
0: what you do. Yeah. It's not who you are. So yeah, no, I, I yeah, it's it, yeah, it's it's funny that book. I mean, it sounds a lot like Mark Twain. his ranting.
1: It, it is very similar. He's not quite as angry as Mark Twight. And you know, Twight's book's different. Yeah, you know, Twight's but, poor. Yeah, tw- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Twight, yeah. He's not, this guy, I don't know if this guy's background at all, but just from the story, this guy's telling his exact story from mm-hmm. this adventure and how he got into it. This guy's coming from, coming from money, obviously. He couldn't have done all the Mountaineering stuff he's done without coming from a very well off family. Would yeah. be Twight. Twight's just a normal guy. He was just fucking bumming his way bumming his through week, the yeah, whole I, thing. <laughs> it, that, that was a good book. I finished that on my travels. You know? Oh,
0: cool. Yeah, was a really good book. Yeah, it was. It's was an interesting book. It's Just collections of stories and essays
1: of his. But you know what's strange is like the very beginning of that book. Because I remember you and I talking about this. His writing style. It took a second to adjust to. Mm-hmm. But it changed. Like it was just because fr- basically that book is almost a collection of articles. Yeah. Different essays he's written yeah. throughout the year. Yeah. It's not a one on one right, story. Yeah. I mean, some of them connect one. Yeah, there's
0: definitely kind of an arc right. to them, but it's not a story. Yeah, it's not a story from page one. Like to one page story. Five yeah.
1: it's, it's a collection of essays and thoughts. And the first couple articles kind of threw me for a loop. Just I couldn't figure out this guy's like thought process and writing style. And then whether I think it's a combination of both. One I adjusted to it. And two, it kind of changed. Just I think from he got got, he got better at writing and expressing his thoughts and his feelings. And so I think combined. But then after that, it was really smooth. Yeah. So again, I don't know how much was me adjusting and him changing because because all the essays span a decent period of his life.
0: Yeah. Yeah, his writing style is definitely very unique. It's it's like stream of consciousness, you know, very short and punchy. Um, yeah, I, it's, but yeah, I liked it. The like, same thing, like it was, it's like, whoa, this is different, but once you get into it, like, oh, I like this, like every fucking word that he writes has some weight and some meaning to it. So, yeah, yeah, that dude was definitely, in it. like he, like there were points in his life, man, where he was definitely in, in some fucking dark holes and using that energy to drive some insane fucking shit, man. Cause yeah, that's the thing, man, it's, when you really realize, like, okay, like, him and that generation, like, they were the first guys to say, well, instead of what, what is everything that we need to make this, what is the least amount of shit that we can carry, and how fast can we do it, and if one thing goes wrong, we're all going to die, but fuck it, let's do it, and they would just do, like, 36 hours straight, we, you know, get back to base camp, and they'd be like, dude, we ran out of fuel, like, right at that moment, or whatever it was, and... And uh, that's just psycho shit, man. Psycho stuff.
1: Very psycho. Yeah. But I, man, I really appreciate the mindset you have to be. Do something like yeah. that. Yeah. And just keep that path. But
0: it's driven by the same thing. It was like he was seeing, like, you know, okay, things are going too far. Like, okay, a supported climb is one thing. You know, we this is starting to become something else. And so, like, it was almost like their fucking punk rock rebellion against the establishment and like the established way of doing these things but it was driven from the exact same place like looking around and going like I don't recognize this fucking sport anymore I don't know what the fuck I'm looking at
1: so we gotta go do something else boys Yeah. so I, still, I can't believe I mean I haven't looked up the the most current statistics like the cost that you have to incur to climb out Everest. Yeah, I can't imagine what it is nowadays yeah. You know, again, back then, I mean, hiring a, a well-respected guy, I think, if I remember right, like one of the, he was referencing one of the most respected guys in the sport at the time, and this guy charged like $65,000 to hire him to get you up Everest. Oh, yeah. And he would have an expedition of however many people, you know, five to ten clients. He would be trying to get up on Everest. Sixty-five thousand dollars a pop to hire him, to, and again that was mid-nineties. Yeah, well. And to see, gotta, it's really—I get angry when I see those pictures nowadays of that line going up Mount Everest. Like, what are you doing? Why? What's the point of this now? And that's why so many people die up there now. Mm-hmm. Is because all those very few of those people deserve to be up there, have earned the right to be up there. Yeah. They just make a lot of goddamn money He was There's this one chick In the book That he Doesn't like And he talks about I think her name was Like Sandy Pittman Or something Her husband Is one of the creators Of MTV Remember The old music television Back in the day When it was music television And so They got some fucking loot And she Claims to be a mountaineer And he, he's like This bitch has No business being He didn't say it like that <laughs> No business being up here and she has, she brings so many, so many niceties, and has to hire so many people up to base camp. I mean, she brings an espresso machine, and you know, people from Vanity Fair are following her up there. Like, it is a whole fucking debacle. And there's been articles written about her and how she's such a great mountaineer. And he's like, this bitch isn't a fucking mountaineer. Yeah. And, and oh, he just. I, he doesn't rant like, I, if I was writing that book, I would probably dedicate <laughs> a chapter to tear this bitch apart. Is it kind of like Demi Lovato being a Jiu Jitsu player? Yes. And I, am sure it's probably the same vein I've never rolled with her, but I'm gonna speculate it's probably along the same. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, no it's, yeah. Oh, that's, yeah. It's frustrating. Dude, I have so much respect for the mountains and, and you know, these Sherpas are the people that live by Mount Everest. And there's another name for Mount Everest. I forget what their word is. I can't pronounce it properly. Anyways, I can see it. But anyways, yeah, they refer to Mount Everest as like the mother of the earth. Like they have so much reverence and respect for the power that Mount Everest has, in all mountains. Yeah. And there's and there's a bunch of things people are doing at base camp that are just completely shitting on that. You know, they're in their tents. You know, having affairs with other climbers and. and and the Sherpas like you are disrespecting the gods. Oh, somebody died on the mountain today. Guess what? It's you guys' fucking fault. You're disrespecting the gods. Yeah. Uh, you need to f- appreciate this and respect this. And you guys aren't. And you just fell in a crevasse and died. Sorry about your luck. Yeah. yeah. The mother of the earth saw your your wrongdoings and let you know. Anyways. You know, <laughs> really, yeah, chill out on the Mount Everest, France, it's a good book. Yeah. Uh, Mom, yeah. I'll finish it probably in the next couple days. Yeah. I mean, I don't
0: think that it'll ever, there's no solution to that problem. You're always going to have that issue. So and then people pointing out the obvious and then deciding to ride a bike to Mount Everest to try and fucking prove their point. So, you know what I mean? The it's funny. This
1: guy's awesome. He's talking about riding through like Pakistan and shit and coming across in some really shady parts of the world and people are just throwing rocks at them and having to fight people off and hiding in some hut and just craziness. That's like, funny,
0: man. Um, That's like, it's such a interesting problem to create for yourself. Because, <laughs> you know, it is. It's like, it, like, okay, hiking Mount Everest unsupported without supplemental oxygen is definitely like 1% of the 1%. But... It's been done, you know, people do it and, uh, but yeah, throwing in a bike ride, an 8,000 mile mile bike ride across (laughs) some of the most dangerous areas in the world world just seems to be a little bit, uh, you know, like I said, that's, that's a selfish thing. Like he was doing that for him. Like it was, that was it. He just like, nah, I just want to fucking create this giant problem for myself and, uh, Get after it, so good for him. Good for him.
1: He's a fucking <laughs> stud.
0: I guess so. Yeah, that's one word for it. One man studs, another man's psycho.
1: So they they're very close neighbors. They are. Oh, so then speaking of books, I'm pumped to finish that because I'm your recommendation. I'm gonna start reading about Hannibal. Good. And I I picked up this book called Hannibal's Oath. Okay. My limited research okay, came upon this book. A lot of people suggest that this is a, a great telling of Hannibal's conquest. Yeah. He's riding elephants over the, over, the over the Alps to fuck shit up. Fucking crazy. taste so if you're Riding elephants around. Yeah, just slaying people. Yeah. I can't wait to start reading this one. Yeah,
0: it is, man. It's fucking, it's pretty crazy. I don't know shit about Hannibal. Really? But huh.
1: Yeah. I know he's regarded as one of the greatest generals, generals of all time. time. Uh-huh carthaginian but besides that i really don't know shit
0: about him dude he's uh yeah when you get when there's a couple battles uh that are yeah like in military history just like you know like the first time like i forget like one of his first engagements with the romans was one of the first recorded uses of the pincher attack where you let your middle uh Retreat and draw them in and then the flanks come around the side and then they're surrounded it's like do we take that you know what I mean like that's we take that shit for granted it's like that's big, okay but he was the first dude to do it and and did it on such a scale that uh, you know fucking takes out I forget how many people like how many Romans but that was the other thing is you're reading Hannibal and you come away from it and you're like god damn those Romans are tough Motherfuckers! fuckers I just kept taking blow after blow after blow and they just kept coming back it gets fucking crazy but uh um yeah I, I love Hannibal Hannibal's a good one Spartacus is another one but you get done with Hannibal getting the fucking the gladiator the fucking slave he led the rebellion the slave rebellion
1: that's another good one yeah I think I will probably go out that room next who knows yeah, and I may end up changing courses, but yeah, I don't know shit about that either. Yeah, that's fine. My, my, my only experience with that is Russell Crowe. Yeah,
0: yeah. Oh, then that's it's a Gladiator movie. The Gladiator movie.
1: How was Spartacus? Who was that? That was
0: uh old school with the uh... God. I can't. I can't yeah, that's a, you're talking old, oh, like old, old man there. like Charlton Heston style, <laughs> like time. I can't. I I, that's not who it was. I can't remember who it was in. I can see it in my face, but yeah, the old school spartacus but uh yeah that's a good one even like napoleon man napoleon's fucking super interesting it's just yeah all these i don't know i love that shit, man so yeah you hear about it and then it's like you dig into it and you're in like the it's super interesting stuff but yeah i'd be interested to hear your your thoughts on Hannibal.
1: i'm pumped yeah, yeah. yeah. if you go around crops adventure at mount everest and then i'll dig into animals yeah adventure over the Alps. Yeah, I got done with that
0: uh, right side of history, finally. And uh, it was a good book. Ben like Shapiro, right? Yeah, the Ben Shapiro one. And so now I'm reading The Coddling of the American Mind. That's good. Yeah. I remember you said you read that one. I actually I did that
1: one on Audible. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Actually, that's really good.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's really... I just... The thing that's so crazy, like when you lay these things out, I don't understand how where the disagreement is like you know how people are still fucking acting like i don't know it's just, it's just mind-blowing man it's just
1: mind-blowing you come across so many weird arguments like that one i came across the other day was just infuriating i mean there's no, the problem is there's no logic to some of this shit for example the one i came across the other day that frustrated me and you know to do with it, it just happened to I, I don't know why I came across this, but it came up with the transgender shit. And, you know, one of their arguments people say is that, you know, gender is just a social construct. Okay, whatever, man. We can debate that to the end of time. Okay. But those same people in the same fucking breath think it's okay to give kids hormones that want to switch genders. How do you put those two together if it's a social construct, if there's no biological basis to gender, why are you giving people fucking hormones? Yeah. It, it just how can you have the same fucking argument? Yeah, It's, it's bananas to me. There's no logic to it. There's so much lack of logic to it, you can't even argue it. You just, yeah. No, you just, it's so, It's so frustrating. But people will. They will hold that same thought. Like, wait a second. You can't have that same argument. You can't argue this that it's okay to give people hormones, but then in the same breath, fucking say gender is a social construct. You're contradicting yourself. Yeah. So you gotta fucking pick one side. Of it. It's the same kind of shit. It's it's super frustrating. But again, yeah. you're trying to put logic to shit that people aren't using logic to. Yeah.
0: No. Nah, it's it's yeah. It's just it's a frustrating thing, man. You're looking at it, and it's you know for me, I you know I got kids, so that's it, it's trying to look at you know okay where where is society headed because they're obviously going to be affected by it and so you know I I don't know I have faith pendulum swings you know back and forth so and
1: uh, so anyways it'll be alright you got faith I do you know as a collective as human beings right in the
0: yeah I mean just cause you know we, we seem to have a history of doing that but I just think that uh, it's just well meaning intentions gone wrong and it's just like, it's like anything else, man. I mean, things come around and it, you know, like sugar is probably the fucking best example. I mean, at one point, no one thought anything about it. And it's like, we realized like, oh shit, like sugar is a problem. And so now we're taking steps to try to, you know, whether they're, you can argue whether it's enough or whether the right steps or whatever it is. But you know, we at some point are able to look around and assess and say, this isn't good. Like, you know, we're creating problems. And so we need to fucking, you know, figure it out. How do we, uh, you know, get, do something different? So it, there's no way you can't help but see that this is going to cause problems. Like, we're seeing it. That's why there's all these books and people talking about, like, this generation coming up. I was talking with, uh, with my buddy Nick uh, yesterday when we were working out. It's like the, the term sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. It has literally been scrubbed from the social consciousness. You never hear that. Ever. I used to hear that shit all the time when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. All the fucking time. Like, oh, so-and-so said this about me. Like, Dude, come on, sticks and stones, it's like get the fuck over it. Yep. And we never, you just you don't tell kids that these days. Like that is not it. It's like no no no, we have to acknowledge. Your feelings, and then you know it's 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 insane when you look at it, and it's like oh this is the exact wrong way to teach kids how to how to like handle the
1: world. But you're not toughening them up.
0: No, you're not toughening them up. Life's not easy. You're gonna
1: you're gonna run into uncomfortable shit on a regular basis. Yeah. And if you don't callous yourself to it, what are you gonna do? You're just gonna crumble. Dude, people are going to fuck with you.
0: Like, that's the thing that I don't understand is, like, you cannot control other people. Like, that is the, uh, like, probably the biggest realization that I've had as an adult is that you, you have no control over the other human beings. If they decide to go crazy... I can't control. I cannot reprogram them. There's nothing that I can do to make them stop acting and saying crazy shit. Right? Nothing. So, me trying to spend my time and energy trying to figure out how to do that, it's futile. It's just a waste. So, the only thing you can control is yourself. That's it. The only thing you can control is your reactions to the crazy people. So I, I just, I don't understand any other argument, any argument against that. Like how, there's nothing in the, in, in the history of mankind, there's nothing in human psychology, there's nothing in fucking, there's, not, there's nothing anywhere that leads you to believe that you can successfully control the other human beings. It, it's just never going to happen. So the, the only thing you can control is yourself. So that's the only thing you should be focused on. That's the exact opposite of what we're running into uh, is – is no, man. I'm yeah, trying to yeah. control you.
1: Yep. Yeah, I, I got to control you so you don't hurt my feet. You're
0: offensive. And even if you are offensive, even if you say the most offensive, even if you are the most offensive fucking person in the world, like, oh, my God. Like, you dress up like fucking Hitler and walk around and say just outrageous shit, it, and it's like, man – I, it, I don't, I can't control you, and me spending all my time, energy, and effort trying to figure out how to shut you up and get you to stop doing what you're doing is a waste. So pointless. It's pointless. It's fucking pointless. And so, you've gotta learn how to deal with the other crazy humans, man. That's all there is to it. So, I just, I don't, uh, yeah, I don't know. it's crazy because you see it but the problem is it's not just you know we like to pin this all the kids coming up these days but what it is is it is the 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 blossoming of a disease that the seeds were planted a long time ago because man i mean you're running into this shit with adults i mean i got fucking members of my family that exist like this it fucking drives me nuts and like I said you just have to realize like oh there's nothing I can do to get them to stop thinking and acting and saying crazy shit nothing so just smile and figure out how to you know deal with it so there you go
1: <laughs> but yeah, I'm not saying they. I, just, I finished listening to Zucked it's a book by I believe the guy's name is like Roger McNamee or some shit yeah which his last name off the top of my head a really good book. It's, it's talking about Facebook, you know, from the names Zuck, Mark Zuckerberg, right? Talking about how Facebook uses um, spying on you and in information that extracts from everybody and behavior modification technologies. Those are like are two things. Those are the main two principles, you know finding information and modifying people's behavior and just repeating the process just figuring mm-hmm. out how they can continually modify people's behavior to benefit them as much as possible. That's basically the, the basis of the book. Yeah, he, he, This guy, he was a really early investor in Facebook. He, he actually used to be um, a significant advisor to Mark Zuckerberg in the early days and then come around, with, I think around 2016, 15, 16, he started seeing Facebook for what it was and the, the shift it was taking and how bad people can use this technology in the wrong way. And he started trying to bring this to attention to Mark Zuckerberg and like uh, Cheryl Sanborn or some Shaft her name is another way high up in Facebook. And he couldn't get because he was friends with these people. So he said, hey, we got some problems that I've seen in the beginnings of. We need to address these and he basically just kept getting shut down shut down so he's like fuck it you guys don't want to listen to me I'm taking this shit public and he wrote this whole book on it it's probably a book I didn't need to listen to <laughs> <laughs> it, it just just, it gets reinforcing built. your echo chamber right, exactly, exactly reinforcing that. my hatred for social media <laughs> getting me all fired up But man I just you know it it is what it is like the thing with
0: me is uh, uh, you know Look, man, don't pee on my leg and tell me it's raining. Yep. Okay, so to say that social media, like what it, it is, like just some, um, it's like a public utility, like the telephone. Like that's bullshit. You know, I don't pick up a fucking telephone to call somebody and have to listen to an ad before I uh, call them, and you know they're they're monitoring all of my calls and behaviors to figure out what ad to I want to listen to next and then trying to modify it so that I want to make more calls. You know what I mean? Like, that's not my, like, my, I don't have the same thing with the fucking electric company, you know? Like, that's so, this idea that they are like a public utility, which is their argument because they see the writing on the wall, which is that the government's going to have to step in and start regulating them. They're going to have to. They're going to have to, man. Like, they have way too much power with these algorithms that are not, public that are manipulating people's behavior and emotions, you know, the the, the advertising dollars that they're making um it, yeah, they're they are not a public utility. They are a private money-making business. They exist to make money for their uh investors. And so it's a different thing. Um but yeah, but it, that's I don't know, I mean, I keep listening to stuff like I I personally feel that we, again, this is just, we're, we're going to figure this out, right? Like this is, we're the first, um, if you want to look at it this way, like, dude, we discovered like a new planet or like an, an unknown continent. Like social media was a, an unknown, completely new environment for humans. You know what I mean? Like in some weird way, it's like we we opened up the matrix. It's like. This was totally new and we were the first ones we were the fucking astronauts of this shit we were you know we had no map for how this what's out there where this is going to go how does this shit work how do human beings interact and react to this environment we have no idea but somebody's got to be the first ones to go out there and explore and figure it out and like that's what i kind of look at like we've We've gone and we've explored and we've discovered a bunch of shit. But we've also discovered that like, oh, human beings, this is how this environment uh, um, affects them. And so, and and these are the predators in this environment. Like any other environment, there's going to be, you know, good and bad elements to it. And so, you know, this is a fucking... You know, the internet's like a virtual jungle and there's predators and shit out there. And you need to learn how to navigate your way through it. You need to learn how to keep your eye out for predators. You need to learn how to, it's like anything else. But, you know, we've been trompsing around that thing thinking it's like the fucking Garden of Eden. You know, like there's nothing in here that can hurt us. It's all just pure, it's all, we're just here to share information and connect with people and, you know, get friends together. And so... Everyone's been kind of going at it with this little innocent, you know, but the innocence lost. The innocence over, man. The fucking snake and the apple and all that shit's happened. Like, this is not the fucking Garden of Eden. We have to be smarter about it. And I think as a species, it sounds funny, but it's like, I think it's part of us adapting to this new environment. Like, as a species, we will get better at figuring out how to navigate this environment while minimizing the negative side effects uh, and, and you're always gonna have the people that don't right it's just like fucking sugar we're trying to navigate that now but you're gonna always gonna have the people who are like fuck it i'm eating it all i'm gonna be 500 pounds and tell you i look sexy you know and you're gonna always gonna have those people who take the, the social media and all that shit too far but i that's my kind of prediction when i look at it kind of what the sense that i get for it and where i think it's going i just think that we're it, it's you know those social media, Facebook, Twitter, those things are going to end up getting regulated. They're going to have to. There might get broken up. Where we're going to have more smaller social media platforms instead of a few, you know, giant ones. Um, just like they did with Standard Oil. Like people forget, man. At one time, there was one giant oil company. and They controlled everything. And it wasn't even the oil. Is that he controlled the railroads? He controlled the distribution. Like that was the, you know, it, like again. So it wasn't oil, right? It's not social media that's the problem. It's the advertising. It's the algorithms that they're like, they control these things that that, that make things go. And so, like, that's the fuck there's So much,
1: There's so much influence. Yes. Way too much way influence. Of, yeah.
0: And so, yeah, it's, it's un-American. Is really what it is. And so, yeah, we we'll, well, Yeah, and
1: then the bad actors figure out how to manipulate that influence. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's when it gets squirrely. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, was, we're figuring it out, man. Yeah, I mean, it is. It's uncharted territory. It is. And there's always unintended consequences. And the, we're starting to see the effects of those unintended consequences. Exactly. So now we got a course, correct. Exactly, so, man. And that's, a, that's really all it is. Yep. It's yep. a funny little dance. But it's a good book. It's worth listening to. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And you kind of, kind of starts beating a dead horse after a while. You know, yeah. As expected. Right. But, again, I... It's not something I probably really need to listen to. Why <laughs> I'm out there painting my house, being pissed off because my neighbor's driving down to a mailbox. <laughs> I'm listening about the evils of Facebook, just wrong. getting all fucking fired up, want to start a militia and shit. <laughs> go burn down Facebook. Where are they? Where are they? How do I fucking do it? Do burn down Facebook. On <laughs> the internet.
0: Yeah. Nah, no, man. I think it's uh, it's good. I mean, it's all part of the process, but people need to know that shit. So. I think that's, that's the most telling thing is when the people who are involved with it are the ones who are warning everyone, like, hey, if there's shit going on here, then that's, you know, it's the crazy dudes out in the desert are one thing, but like people coming from the inside saying, "Like, dude, like there's shit going on in there that you guys do not know and you need to be aware of is, uh, yeah. People need to be aware.
1: And they were talking about all the different moder- ways they moderate content. On, you know, spe- uh, Facebook uh, specifically. You know, they have algorithms, and they do it with AI. Mm-hmm. But they also still have to this day a ton of human beings that sit around. I believe they just call them moderators, and they just have to. Every time you submit something to Facebook, it goes across human eyeballs, and they have to believe. I believe they they're required to. Click yes or no, or send it on somebody higher up the food chain to approve it. One post every four seconds. So that is their job. They sit in front of a computer screen. Every time you post something, it comes across somebody's accept, deny, accept, deny, every four seconds. And the amount of terrible shit they see that gets denied is just. So they shouldn't be denying it. It's, again, a, that's the thing. Is we were just talking about that. You can, cannot control the other human beings, and, and that's what they're doing. And it's. That's why it's going off the rails. That's why it's going off the rails. they're talking about different extremes of that. And they're talking to this one lady in like Thailand. Because they outsource a lot of this shit. To third yeah. third party, third world type places. Oh, yeah. And they're paying this lady like $2 a day or $4 a day to be a moderator. And she would be holed up in her house. She would lock the door so her kids couldn't come to the room. Because she'd be seeing just super offensive shit put blankets on the windows because she didn't want neighbors seeing what she was looking at. And she just a moderator, sitting there clicking, yes, no, yes, no. And she came from a fairly strong religious background and she basically kind of admitted that she didn't give a fuck what Facebook's rules were. She was going on her personal biases. Yeah. Like, oh, I, I think this is inappropriate. I'm gonna deny this. Then. And that's basically what she just started doing yeah since again, and a lot of that goes on,
0: like once you get a moderator going, you're no longer like it's now you're a a room. yeah, and you're just a big ass giant chaplain it's like that's not the same thing it is uh because the thing is, is like with the social media, it was supposed to be selective again, like I can't control the other human beings, I can only control myself, right so if, you know and they still have them like the fucking. You know, like Reddit, I think is probably the, you know, one of the most popular versions of it, but we've always had like, you know, the chat rooms and the forums and the problem with those was that once someone joined, everyone could see what they were posting. So if there's, you know, one or two people out of a thousand who are, you know, just fucking it up. And so that's where moderators would come in. And like, hey, we have rules for how you're going to engage because everything you post, everyone here can see. There's no way for someone here to not see it unless they leave the whole group. And so we're trying to to moderate what's going on because of that. And with social media, that's not the case. You have the choice. You choose who you're friends with. You choose who you follow. You choose what hashtags your uh, following and paying attention to so there's no need for moderation because it's supposed to be Self-moderated like that was the whole fucking point of social media It's a self moderated platform and But like so it makes no sense if it's a self-moderated platform What do you need moderators for like if you see something offensive that you don't like it is so easy to Click a button and make sure that that never shows up in your feed again. That that person never shows up in your feed again. But instead of doing that, people want them shut down and kicked off, and or, or just the fact that they're even able to post it, they're offended by it. But again, what it comes down to, what it really comes down to is the advertising dollars. Because you know, if you are, um, you know, Walmart, for example, do you want to be posting on a platform that allows like super racist, you know, offensive stuff? to your core market, you know, because some groups gonna say like, well, if you're advertising on Facebook and Facebook allows them to post racist stuff, then you're supporting racism. Like that's the backward weird logic that they're using to pressure advertisers to pressure Facebook to moderate and control their content. And that's really what it comes down to. There's no other fucking motivation behind it. Well, I mean, there are some idiots out there that have political, like, are more politically motivated than monetarily motivated, but at its core, that's what the fuck is going on. So, it's, uh, it's maddening, man. I I don't understand. Like, just leave it alone. You don't want to see it. It's so easy to click, unfollow, unlike, whatever it is, but people get all offended recreationally. Everybody's got a voice now. Yeah,
1: that's the problem. That's another one of the problems. And there's no way to distinguish like who's got
0: (laughs) anything. Yeah, I know, man. It's madding, especially, you know, because I see it as a strength coach with a shit ton of experience, a fucking pretty impressive resume. And like my voice carries the same amount of weight in a lot of these forums and whatever as some 20 year old asshole who's never done shit but is just like you know read a bunch and watched a bunch of youtube videos so he's like some armchair expert and he can out type me like that's what really makes you an expert on the internet is if you can just outlast it becomes a war of attrition if you are just willing to type more words and more often than you're who you're arguing with then you're the expert and you win and it's just I don't even play. I don't even engage in that stuff. But yeah, it's maddening. Maddening. So. Yeah. People need to know where they're getting their info from. That's the funny thing. There's so many Instagram like you know, workout experts that it's like, okay, now look, who have they really worked with? Like what is their fucking resume? You'd be surprised to find out like, oh, they just worked out themselves. And they just like to set up their fucking phone and videotape themselves doing training shit and then like, make it seem like they fucking know what they're talking about. It's maddening. Yes, it is. So.
1: That's why we're here to fight your flight, It's That's right,
0: man. It's right. <laughs> so, how's your house painting coming?
1: Good, man. It is quite the project. Yeah? I'm a little more than halfway done, I would say. Okay. It's good. It's a very rewarding project, but it is quite the task. Very time consuming and not terribly difficult physically. Right. Maybe a little bit, but it, just, it is just a matter of time. You just got to put the fucking time in. Can't get distracted. Just fucking wake up, work out, pain. That's my day.
0: So you can't, you can't make up for consistency okay. with intensity? Nope. Can't get Cause there. You, can,
1: you can paint that house as intense as you it's want. As hard as you want. hard as you want. <laughs> gonna and then you're going to fucking get down any faster. <laughs> Consistency is the key. And that water bottle is fucking
0: you up today. It's fucking me up. Well, I got ice cubes in it. Oh. So sometimes when I go to the ice cube, fucks it's me all up. Yeah, it's brings a little weight with it and splashes all over me. So I'm just struggling right now, is what it is. But that leads us to today's topic. Yes.
1: Consistency versus intensity. Yes.
0: Another pretty smooth ass segue. But uh,
1: what's more important? So, yeah,
0: so that was the, when you'd uh, texted the topic to me, I thought that was a good, yeah, good topic because it's something I guess you really, you you probably don't think about on a conscious level, but it's definitely there. And like you said, intensity versus consistency because, man, if you're training three times a day, seven days a week, that's intense as fuck. Mm -hmm. You're going to have a tough time sustaining that. If you're training one time a week, you know you can probably maintain that for a long time, but you're not gonna you know advance as 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 quickly as you can. So somewhere there's a sweet spot, or you can live at two extremes. The barbell method, like Nassim Taleb talks about, an anti-fragile. You want to be either super intense or super consistent nowhere in the middle fuck the middle road so there you go there's the two ways to come at it I believe
1: that there's a sweet spot in the middle yeah and you gotta find that sweet spot in the middle in my opinion yeah for I guess it all depends on what your goal is too Who, what are you training for right you training for health and longevity you training for a specific event so then you have to very there'll be an adjustment there's, there's adjustments yeah but from overall health standpoint, yep. I'm sure we agree consistency is the key.
0: I th- No, consistency is definitely the key. I think, I, and yeah, I, I agree with you. I think there's definitely a sweet spot that it's like, you want to spend 80% of your time in that sweet spot. And you're going to have periods of time where you may be training a little more intense, like if you're getting ready for a competition, or you may be training less intense, just trying to keep your consistency up. Like if you're super busy, you got some things going on in life and it's like, and instead of quitting, man, make that once a week, right? Uh, but for the most part, yeah, I think there's definitely a, a sweet spot. But consistency is definitely it, man. I tell people this all the time. It's like it's like a war of attrition. Like Training is like a war of attrition. Jiu-Jitsu is the best example of that because, dude, how many black belts out there are there that, you know, they weren't the best of the crop of white belts that they started with? They were just the last motherfucker standing at the end of 10 years, and you know now uh, you know the it, they're they're better but it's that like, that's that consistency if you don't make it you're not gonna fucking you can't get to the end of the journey you know it sounds obvious but
1: if you're uh it always does, it, or, it does yeah. sound obvious but i'm one of those type of guys that unless i think about it i will definitely favor more of the intense side and that's really not a path for success you think you're setting yourself up for success, but you're really setting yourself up for failure. Yeah. Whether, you know, via injury or burnout, or you're not enjoying it, whether it's, you know, jiu-jitsu training or, you know, physical training. Yeah, if you go too intense too often, it's not sustainable. You're going to crash and burn. And I am the type of guy that will get too heavy to that side unless I pay attention to it. So, I think there's... I would like to think there's a lot of people out there like that. that yeah, I'm not, I'm not an anomaly.
0: No, I think that there's a lot of guys. I mean, if you've been doing jiu-jitsu for any amount of time, guys and gals, then uh, you're definitely wired differently than most people. So I think that most of us do tend to fall into that uh, push-yourself-too-hard um, category until things start to rattle apart, <laughs> then you've got to take some time off. So... You know, I think that that's the... That's just the nature of the beast, though. I mean, you're getting, it's as long as you're listening to yourself... Because it is, man. It's consistency. The other the other saying I like is... Uh, if you're hurt, it doesn't matter how fit you are. If you're sitting at home on the couch injured... It doesn't matter what your VO2 max is. It doesn't matter what your fucking fitness level is. Your skill level is. It's, it's all being wasted sitting on the couch. So, um, you know, doing a little it's easy to say it's hard to do in practice but doing a little too little is better than doing a little too much especially over the long term because yeah the consistency like that is the number one um like performance enhancing you know thing it doesn't matter what what diet you're on doesn't matter what training program you're on it doesn't matter none of that shit matters as much as being consistent with it and if that's the i guess with that too though there's a, uh, a way to kind of look at it is, um, you know, consistency as far as like picking something and sticking with it. Right. So a lot of people run into the problem of like, you know, they're not consistent with their diet because they're always changing it. You know, oh, I'm, you know, eating paleo this week. Oh, I'm doing intermittent fasting. I'm fucking going keto. And it's like, every time you talk to them, they're trying a different diet or same thing with strength training, they're trying some new workout. Um, And you see with jiu-jitsu too, man. People who jump all over. It's like, you know, what are you working on? Oh, I'm working on this fucking new move. It's like, wait a minute. Last time I talked to you, you said you were working on like your half guard sweeps. That was like three weeks ago. You an expert, at them now? Like, (laughs) when's your instructional coming out? (laughs) So, so yeah. Like, that's another, I guess, kind of element to the consistency versus intensity uh, thing because, you know, get into something and focus on, you know, be consistent with it versus uh you know changing things up but i think yeah you need to have a consistency across the board and i think you gotta keep in mind
1: too there's a sweet spot for that also because you gotta spend enough time doing something like say it's working your full pass system you gotta spend enough time doing that to troubleshoot it get the benefits from it before jumping ship and getting really deep into something else yeah but then, if you take that too far, you spend too much time doing that, then you're, you get kind of stagnant. the other stuff starts. And the other stuff starts suffering. Yeah. You're the same thing with training. You know, off, off the mat. You know, your physical training. You know, if you spend too much time in a strength cycle, it's the benefits are going to wear off eventually after six weeks, eight weeks. Yeah. It's it's time to switch it up. And it's, it's, again, it's that sweet spot. You got to you got to really pay attention. But I, I think more people. Probably fall into the go super hard at something for too short a time, yeah, and then abort mission. Yep, that, that's that's where I think most people probably fuck up.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Yeah, they're like they're training. It's um yeah, without that focus for an extended period of time, it's really hard to learn it and get it. I mean, just kind of trying to entertain yourself on some level. But I think the same thing. It's like eighty percent of your time. Like whatever you you know you pick something spend like 80% of your time working that and then the other 20% working some other stuff or just keeping that sharp. But uh, um, yeah, nah, man. It's, it's just so boring though. It People is. want to hear like, dude, what is the fucking kick-ass, you know, the, the, the camp. Everybody likes to see the workouts that, you know, fighters and jiu-jitsu guys are doing during their training camps, you know, leading up to ADCC and you just see some fucking wild intense shit and uh, and so you start to think like that's, that's training. And like but yeah, you don't, what you don't see is all the boring just punch the clock workouts. that's what Dan John calls them. It's like man you're, the, you don't want to hear it, but the vast majority of your workouts, both on and off the mat, are going to be fucking run-of-the-mill punch the clock workouts. and that's what they need to be.
1: Just getting in there and grind.
0: Just getting in there and grind. Yeah, they're, they're not going to be these fucking super intense, super hard, like, you know, uh, uh, workouts that, that are not... If you're going in there all the time and you're just taking it easy and, you know, not putting in enough work, it's like, there is, there's that, that, that middle ground, man, where you're you're just... It's, it's hard enough to elicit change, but it's not so hard that you're just grinding yourself... Uh, down so hard that you can't recover, and yeah, those are just fucking punch the clock workouts, man. Those are the ones where you leave the gym or you leave the jujitsu, and you're like, you know, huh, all right, that's pretty good. Nothing, nothing exciting. But uh, those are the workouts, man. I tell myself because like those are the ones that I'm getting better at. It's like everyone loves those workouts where you're there and you're like, all right, man, we had a fucking hard open mat, and I was just feeling great, and I had just you know six seven eight rounds and i was tapping everyone and it's fucking awesome and uh yeah great dude like that's not gonna happen every time most of the time it's just gonna be like i felt pretty good felt all right and but you're all right goes up like that's the thing like my all right today would have been like my fucking best day ever two years ago right kind of thing And so that's the thing that people don't see. It's that the long game. Yeah, that long game. That's what the consistency leads to. It's the that's why uh, that you know easy strength. That's why the the, you know Dan John and Pavel came out with that book, and that was the point. It's like, dude, you you want to get strong, but if you do it right, it almost seems easy. It's not you know there's a grind to it, but you're like, one day you wake up and you're like, fuck, I'm stronger. Like I never really had to just grind my face into the around to do it and uh but you got to be consistent i like guess one of the keys i think one of the workouts that powell suggests is like a, you work out every day for 40 days and you never go to failure you just kind of move you know there's like some basic parameters but it's just that's the key it's consistency it's like the eye you know and if you do it then at the end of it you're definitely stronger but you know how many people can make 40 days in a row?
1: Not many. not many
0: not many that's not that that's the hard part people would rather have give me a like two day routine full of fucking intervals and you know all heavy deadlifts and just beat my ass two days a week it, it's funny man like for a lot of people that's easier to deal with than punch the clock for forty days in a row man just punch the clock for forty days in a row nothing exciting just punch the clock but at the end of the day, man, that's the, that, that is the more sustainable, uh, routine. Yeah. That's what isometric workouts are. They're just like punch the clock, punch man. The They're just punching the fucking clock. If you're not walking out after an isometric workout, like, it's not like deadlifting, getting a PR on your deadlift. Right. But, man, getting a PR on your deadlift is rare and it, it has physical consequences. You know, when you took your body to that point, like, ooh, you're gonna have to recover from that. Yeah. So, yeah, I think
1: that's, that's another thing that people fuck up a lot too is you know, because just part of those, uh, what we're calling punch clock works out, workouts and the, the consistency, you don't necessarily get super sore. Mm-hmm. And it, dude, if you're getting to the point to where your muscles are sore to the touch, you did way too much. and But there's a lot of people that think that's what they need to grow. The whole crossfit mentality and the kill yourself mentality, you know, the yeah. trouble getting up off the toilet, like oh, I gotta go take a shit, and you're dreading having to squat down on the toilet or get back up because your your legs and your ass are so sore, dude. If you're getting to that point, you did too much. The you, there's nothing wrong with feeling your muscles. Like you go to do something, you're like oh, I worked out, and I can tell the muscles are a little fatigued, They're a little sore, but not sore to the touch, right. just a little sore to the move. But once you move around a little bit, it goes away. That's that's a that, that's kind of my the way I measure it. You know, like I, I don't I don't want to get to that point where it's that sore because it's got negative effects. You did too much. You did too much, yeah. and then you're not you're going to be hesitant to get in there the next day and train again. And it's just there's there's many reasons why that's not good, and that is I think that's a good metric for people. But a lot of people think that the other way around they think if they're not feeling like that they didn't do enough and they're wasting their time and then now you gotta shift the way you think about that
0: yeah i think yeah getting being like you said like sore like i'm definitely it's funny the last uh um three because i've kind of cut back a little bit just with open the facility and some things so i'm getting in like three days a week in training instead of my usual five it's just funny dude your body conditioning to rolling just like the it, it uh, changes so um Wednesday nights uh Thursday mornings man waking up after rolling on Wednesday nights I'm fucking sore and I'm joking with my wife usually I got I got ran over by a fat Adam but uh this last Wednesday I got ran over by a skinny Kevin and uh <laughs> but yeah we thought I'm fucking sore. I feel like I got ran over by a truck and uh but get up Take a shower, get moving around, and it subsides. It, it's it's way better. It's not like you said, like not sore to the touch. So um, I think especially as you get older, like you're gonna being a little stiff, a little sore after uh, you know a hard day of rolling, a hard day of training, you're gonna feel it. But it's you're not looking for that. Like I'm trying to minimize that. Right. Like I don't want that. And so, and like I said, it goes away pretty quickly. And a sign that things are not right is if I wake up and go through my routine, and I still got something that's still hurting. It's like, okay, that's not good, and I got to take care of that. But uh, yeah, the the using soreness as your gauge is a tough one because it's easy. You know, the more sore you are, the better the workout was. But um, too far it's not because you are. You're taking away anything that takes away from your your ability to train the next day even if it was training the previous day like you know you you fucked over tomorrow yourself with tomorrow with what you did today and, and instead, if, instead of
1: approving your future self right you screwed you exactly In instead of looking wrong. out
0: for your future self yeah. and okay. say hey future self is going to have to train tomorrow so you're going to want to train, tomorrow. train tomorrow. Yeah. i want i want future self to want to train tomorrow right. You know, future self is not gonna want to train tomorrow. You beat the fuck, beat the fuck, out, of fuck out of myself yeah. right now. Yeah. So yeah, that's the hardest thing, man. Is just thinking about future self because you think like, oh, if I get that one more rep. But yeah, dude, it's uh, yeah, consistency is so important. That's where you develop that old man strength because it's just it's just going through the movements, man, punching the clock, and you your body just gets so used to doing these movements and so efficient at it, and that's where that specific strength comes from. I was thinking about this the other day that because uh, I've i, I, I kind of quit you know lifting heavy weights and you know even like deadlifts I'm kind of like getting away from because I like the bands I'm, it's funny. we get so enamored with what, how shit looks from the outside right you know what I mean and our body doesn't give a fuck it's tension tension is tension is tension and so who cares if you're lifting a barbell or you're using bands your body doesn't know. body doesn't give a fuck you know who cares like me because from the outside my ego lifting 300 pounds and hearing that bang is a lot better than like having a really hard band and so uh but still i've been um you know doing that but i still every once in a while like fuck dude am i missing out do i need to lift heavy weights you know because it's just stuck it's stuck in my head like i came up that way and you think like if i'm not lifting heavy weights i'm missing out but i was i was like man you know i think that uh at this point, because um, our, our buddy Nate is in a powerlifting, right. so that guy can outlift the fuck out of me. Like he can definitely bench squat and deadlift way more than I can. But when we roll, I don't feel like I'm weaker than him. Hmm. And so that was kind of my like, eh, you know, it's hard, and it is all in my head. My deadlift strength is shit, but man, nobody's. Nobody's saying, hey, bro, you need to hit the gym when we're done rolling. I feel fucking really strong on the mats. And so it's uh, – anyways, I don't know what my fucking point was other than um, beating the hell out of yourself in the gym. If you think that's helping your jujitsu, jitsu that's the other thing, man. It's like training intensely in the gym when you're trying to do jiu-jitsu is uh, – it's futile.
1: Like you're fucking yeah. yourself up. Because jujitsu is such an intense activity. That was man. When I really first started to come across that man, it must have been it was about the time we opened Grand Valley. So uh, five years ago, six yeah, years ago. something like so go going on, that. Going on six because I was still drinking the CrossFit Kool-Aid quite a bit. And then you know then we had a really nice facility it opened up, so we we're getting more training partners. So now I was able to do a lot more Jiu-Jitsu, and I was still trying to do. CrossFit style workouts and jujitsu, both at you know, high levels for me. Right. Yeah. You know, both intense for me. And I I came to the realization like I can't continue this path. Like it is just too much. My body's just not recovering. And both activities were starting to suffer. And I wasn't enjoying them. Yeah. And I had to, okay, obviously I love jujitsu more. So I had to really chill out on that and reassess what I was doing outside of jujitsu. And it's a tough realization to come come to, and part of it comes from age, just realizing what you can and can't get away with. And yeah, again, that's that's it's it's a recipe for disaster.
0: Yeah, if you're trying to freaking train intensely on too many things, it just doesn't. uh, Yeah, it doesn't work. Doesn't work. No. Some
1: the wheels are going to come off somewhere.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's good. What's the other thing? Is I don't know. I keep. Fucking refer back to Dan Jones because I've read a bunch of his shit. I just, I like, like, Dan's one of these guys, when you read his work, like, he'll be the first one to tell you, like, man, I had fucked myself up. I trained way too intensely. I was an idiot. And he's, you know, has to have a hip replacement. He's had a shattered wrist. You know, so, like, a lot of his um, uh, advice is from that looking back and going, like, God damn it, man. Like, I did not need to do that to myself. And so here's some philosophies to maybe help you guys. But he's got, to, uh, you know, one of the ways that he talks about workouts, like uh, the park bench versus the bus bench workout. Have you heard?
1: I, I'm pretty sure you've said it to me before, but I can't remember the analogy. Yeah, but basically,
0: like, the, the difference is, is, is you know, if you're sitting on a bus bench, like, you're waiting for a bus to show up. If there's a time that thing's supposed to show up, you're supposed to be somewhere. And so, uh, you know, these are like your, your eight-week, peaking programs, your six-week fat loss cycle, like, you know, you've picked uh, uh, an intense period of time, and you're expecting X result at the end of it, and, you know, then you got what, you know, he calls his his park bench, like, when you're sitting on a park bench, like, you Mm -hmm. don't got to be anywhere, like, you're Mm -hmm. not waiting for anything, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, the squirrel that showed up yesterday shows up, great, if he doesn't, who cares, it's not a big deal, not waiting for anybody. And so those are like those punch the clock workouts that we were talking about. It's like, you don't have, like, this workout's not really leading to any great thing. You know, we're not trying to pump our biceps up in eight weeks or shred our abs. And, you know, you know like, that's how where a lot of these programs come from. And unfortunately, that's what a lot of people do is they skip from one bus bench workout to another, to another, you know, and they don't even realize that. And so they're always like, following some workout that had and, and it's also stressful right because if you're following a workout then you're expecting x result at the end and you're about halfway through it and you're not quite seeing what you're expecting yet you start to get fucking stressed out that bus needs to fucking show up on time and by the end of this eight weeks i need to see x so you start to get like stressed out about the whole situation and whereas like dude just to fucking do some isometrics man
1: just punch the clock relax I, I think man that that was a really good way to put it most people are going from bus bench workout to bus bench workout and they just keep jumping from that to that you know and there's no reason for them and too intense too that's intense. why people get burned out yeah, it's get, hard to stay consistent yeah. you
0: get frustrated because like i said if you're looking for that six pack abs in in six weeks and you're in week four and your abs ain't popping out like the model in the picture you know you're fucking stressed out like, fuck this working out doesn't work for me I, I quit So I know working out works for everybody like just you just don't have to pretend like you're on this journey that you're gonna end in six weeks right like just do some isometrics this is a you're gonna be doing this for a long time bro just relax you should be doing this for a yeah. long time enjoy just the scenery yeah. feed
1: the squirrels and that's right feed the squirrels and just keep going
0: yeah man yeah, yeah it's probably been I think both of us uh, is uh I think I would not want to speak for you, but I feel like probably the biggest lesson that both of us have learned up to this point in our careers is like, yeah, dude, chill out. Chill out. Chill out. <laughs> enjoy it. Enjoy it, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, you're not to Understand
1: just, why you're doing it. You know, training down the bat, training off of that, and enjoy it. Enjoy it. You're not it. doing it for anybody else but yourself. No. And you kind of are doing it for other people because you're being the best version of yourself so you can be the best version of yourself for your friends your family but you're doing it for yourself yeah and there's no unless you're a goddamn bodybuilder training for a show or that specific date and even us jiu-jitsu guys you gotta turn especially for you know hobbyists like ourselves that just love jiu-jitsu and constantly training you, you should just be in good shape all the time. Yeah. And try to be as healthy as you can all the time. I mean, injuries are going to happen. Shit's going to go sideways on you. But you can still just be as healthy as you can all the times. So when it comes time for the competition, you're ready to go. Yeah. You, you can ramp up the training. Ramp up know, a little bit. A little yeah. bit. But you should be, if you're living a lifestyle, a good, healthy, you know, jiu-jitsu-based lifestyle, you should be ready to go any day of the week. I know, yeah.
0: That's why it always cracks me up when people are like, oh... We, we got a tournament coming up and we got to start training it's like dude i don't know what else to do different like i approach my training every week like same way the same way yeah that, that, I, that, that, I don't that. slack off and then ramp up like that's just not the
1: how my brain works uh, i think that's a big key right there Like, probably from today's episode that's what everybody should take away from it is yeah you okay oh we got a tournament you schedule on the calendar why should your training look any different than yeah. it does when there's no set date? Yeah, it really shouldn't. I mean, again, you can wrap up the intensity a little bit and maybe focus on your A game training, like subtleties. But just from an over health, overall healthy standpoint, it shouldn't look terribly different.
0: No, no, just just a little slightly different. It's it's the same but different. Right. Right. Like, so yeah, it shouldn't be different. It's no. the, it, it is different, but it's the same. You made yeah, you made some some adjustments, but yeah, I think that uh, the other thing is, it, is figure out what you can be consistent with. Like, so the other thing I, I tell my clients that um, there's optimal and then there's reality. And, and my job a lot of times is trying to help people optimize reality. Because they're saying, like, optimal is getting into training jujitsu four days a week, getting into the gym two to three days a week, you know, blah, blah, blah. That's optimal. Okay, great. Does your schedule allow that? Well, you know maybe for like two weeks before your fucking wife wants a divorce and you know your body you know like maybe your, your job doesn't allow that like uh you know, like you like you're when you're working like you can't train four days a week it, you're you could but you get fired because you fucking not show up one day to work so you have to there's reality now how do you optimize reality how do you figure out what you can be consistent with within your reality and that's the other thing is people uh I call my kids this, uh, uh, the reality ragers. They rage against reality. You know, it's like, hey man, it's 9.30. Like, that's reality. I, you know, you can rage against it all you want, but it's fucking 9.30. It's time to start getting ready for bed. And uh, there's so many fucking people out there that are reality ragers. They just don't (laughs) want to deal with reality and they just rage against it. And so, uh, you can't rage against reality, man. Like, it's always going to win. And that's what people, I think happens a lot with their, you know, they're training. It's like, you know, oh, I can't train four days a week, so I'm not going to do anything. Or they try and force it, and it doesn't work, and so they just quit. And it's like, man, just figure out what you can do, man. Optimize your reality. Figure out what you can be consistent with. And then just fucking relax, man. Or relax, as relax. Uncle Hanach would say. I was listening to
1: the Valley too, <laughs> It's such a good
0: podcast. You don't ever listen to it, right? No, man. I got to... No. Nah, I, I just... I, I, I don't listen to enough, I don't have enough time listening to shit right. to add that in. It's funny. So it's I, have, I gotta download it. I just gotta put it on my uh, my list. So,
1: I'll listen to it. The most recent episode, he had uh, interviewed uh, Henry Cejudo on there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it was actually just before like, the Maul and Marais fight that he had uh, last yeah. weekend, I think. And so, the, the, it just came out yesterday, the day before. So he didn't release it until afterwards and you know, Uncle Hinacho saying he's like, yeah, we recorded this before, but I didn't want to put the pressure on Henry to live up to the expectations of the Valley Tudo hour, so I didn't release it until now. <laughs> you what know, cracks me up is like at Awesome dude. How I mean
0: he gets, you know, Cindery Hudo goes on it. And he knows full well. What is going on? Like, you know, this isn't like, wait a minute, wait a minute, I thought this was... It's like, everyone knows, no, you're going on with Uncle Hanach. Right. Like, get ready to have some fun. He's going to talk some shit, and like, yeah, the I love that fucking character. Like, just the fact that that guy, that character exists in the jiu-jitsu community, just... It's all awesome. Just so fucking awesome, man. Like, I don't see anything like that in any other sport, where you've got this... Fuck, like, who else is like... You know what I mean? Like, I can't think of any other character like fucking Hanato Laranja. 27-time <laughs> world champion. <laughs> oh, the shit that guy says is so obnoxious. Oh, I know, oh, man. It's I so it. good, though. So, I don't even know. Like, Have you ever even heard him, like, not Uncle Hanach?
1: Yeah. Yeah, he, he sounds like a totally normal guy. Just a normal dude. Yeah. I think he must have listened to him. <laughs> we want Hanach. We want Uncle Hanach.
0: <laughs> oh... Well, on that note, that's a that's a model of consistency.
1: I wouldn't say that because his podcasts are very sporadic. No, 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 no. His I just mean like his role. character. He stays in character. That, he yeah, begins. he
0: has been consistent with that character, and that has paid off. Like he, he is, is really intrigued. good.
1: Really good at staying in character. <laughs>
0: yep. Oh, yeah. So
1: consistency is the key, my friend.
0: Yes, consistency. Fucking park bench workouts. I feel that you know, that's a message we try to
1: put out there quite a bit. So in case you guys haven't picked up on a fucking message, there it is for you. Yeah. in the face with it.
0: Just figure out what you can
1: sustain, man. It's a long journey. It's not a sprint. It is a long journey. I think a lot of people screw up too. Yeah, you and I both seen this in the, in the training world, from your facilities to your clients, the jiu-jitsu world. You get people that fall off for whatever fucking stupid reason. And then you get back in and you always come back in guns a blazing. Mm, yeah. I, uh, and, Trying to uh, make up for lost time. Oh god! I, when when someone hasn't trained for a while and then they come back in and they give you the speech, uh, oh yeah, I'm really fucking getting into it this time. You know, I'm gonna be here fucking six days a week. Blah blah blah. Ninety nine percent of the time, they are basically just coming. What I hear, you know, your game of what did someone say as opposed to what Rob heard. What Rob heard in that statement was, or you're going to quit in a month. Right. You're going to quit in two months. Or you're going to get hurt again. You're going to get hurt again. (laughs) Or you're going to come up with some other bullshit reason as to why you can't be here. Yeah. And you're going to quit again. Because you came in professing to the world that you're taking this serious again. Yeah,
0: you set this hurdle that you couldn't get over. And then when you can't get over it, it's frustrating. So a lot of people's reaction is to quit. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm not, dude, I am. I have to just tell people like find out you want to be as lazy as possible while getting the best results you can. You're, like that is the key. It's not figure out how much you can survive, it's figure out how little that you can do to get the results that you want. And it's all it's economics, man. I was talking with uh I was probably talking with Shiloh about this the other day. Like dude, so much of life boils down to economics. And people who don't understand economics don't understand this. Like everything has an opportunity cost. You say yes to this, you're saying no to something else, yep. you, you know? And so uh, there, there's a cost to benefit ratios, you know, like all of these things. They're just like basic uh, economic, um, I, you know, ideas. Yeah. That, that you need to apply to your life and your training, but people don't. They just, oh, I'm going to say yes to this and this and this and this. And it's like, no, you can't train CrossFit and Jitsu and fucking eat keto. And fucking, you know what I mean? And train for a marathon. It's like, no, no, maybe, maybe you can. Maybe I'm putting limits on people. So, but yeah, understand economics. It'll help you with your checkbook too, motherfucker. Checkbook. That's an old reference.
1: <laughs> I know, right? Does anybody balance the checkbook anymore? Goddamn. I, yeah. It's all on the screen for you. I was
0: just old enough to have to do that. Like, I remember being taught oh, I don't remember having anything, how to balance my checkbook having to keep it all yeah but then we got the online statements yeah and then the checkbooks
1: didn't get kept quite as good so still I haven't seen somebody in quite a while using a checkbook at the grocery store really what? I see it every once in a while man yeah you do
0: it's usually some old lady oldsters for sure yeah, yeah. Right, out write the check dude there's a lot of places that won't accept checks anymore yeah,
1: because the little plastic card in your wallet does the exact same thing. Yeah. It does the, thing. does the exact same thing. It does the exact same thing. takes it from the same account. does it faster. does it faster. I know. I know. I, I
0: carry a checkbook. I can never understand why people write checks, man. I, I don't. I can't wrap my mind around it. I don't
1: understand. Just what is. plop that fucking card in, hit your four numbers, and... You manage the four numbers most of the time. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. You yeah. just say, I don't, you know, I use a debit card, and you have an option to type in your PIN or hit cancel. Guess what? comes from the same account. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't even, I hit one button instead of four. And it, yeah, it's, it's funny to me. It's, yeah. it's funny. People get entrenched. They do. They're
0: consistent.
1: Yeah, it is. They're consistently using that checkbook. That's
0: right, man. You need to intensely learn how to use a fucking debit card. Or even use your phone nowadays.
1: Just hold your phone on your reader. See, you're, yeah. you're
0: more tech than I am, man. I don't do that. I haven't paid for anything with my phone yet. That's cool. I will bet it's pretty cool. I bet it is. Seems a little cool. scary to me. Seems kind of like sorcery. The next step is a fucking chip in your eye. You're just like retinal scan. Retinal scan. <laughs> you pay for your groceries with retinal scan. Yeah, that's, that's pretty sweet. She just holds it up to scans all your groceries and then scans your fucking eyeball. Scans your eyeball. <laughs>
1: that's coming, man. Just fucking wait. Oh man, maybe. That's coming. Probably. Oh, didn't someone get cancer, <clears> the <throat> eyeball. No, I know. Uh, see well, the consequences. Yeah, I the unintended consequences. All I always think
0: about was that uh, one of the Simpsons cartoons, and they did like some future episode, and Homer had these giant fucking cataracts, and he's like, "We didn't know what LASIK surgery was gonna do to us." <laughs> it's like back when, like it just started, like when the the laser eye surgery like just started, and it was just one of those, like, yeah, everyone's just running down this fucking road. Head first and we don't really exactly know if there's gonna be some unintended consequences down the road. But uh
1: I, I kinda of think about that sometimes when I go to therapy. Yeah, I'm gonna head there now as soon as we get done recording. You know, like oh, I'm doing the shit out of this, and we really don't know the unintended consequences for this.
0: I would feel a little safer. I think we have a little more human history on cold therapy than we do cutting your eyes open with lasers we and do. fixing shit, so yeah. You know, it doesn't so, make me that nervous, right. but I hadn't thought about it before. I uh, heard somebody say, because people are always asking, like, oh, where's the study for this and where's the study for that? And somebody, I forget what it was, You wrote, like, well, where's the long-term study on ketchup? <laughs> you know, like, ketchup's not a fucking natural food. <laughs> you know, like, what are the unintended consequences of overconsumption of ketchup? It's a good question. So, anyway
1: there we go do your research and catch alright stay consistent with it. okay sounds good alright all right. see you everybody see you.
0: thank you for listening to the Grumpy Guy BJJ podcast
1: thank you all for listening you can find us on Podbean Apple Podcasts Spotify and wherever else you listen to podcasts please make sure to subscribe and leave us a review it really does help and will allow us to keep putting out episodes If you have any questions, comments, or ideas, hit us up at grumpyguybjj at gmail.com. Also, go to our website, grumpyguybjj.com, and get signed up for podcast updates and get our free BJJ Improvement Starter Kit. That's it for now, so get on the mat, train hard, and talk to you all next week. Doggy, school, foggy, cool, got a froggy, I'm a they dude Daisy, Duke, hanging by the lace of their shoes No trace of the tools, shaped into face, fuck the rules Snooze you lose, one eye always open, it. it times two No clue, but soon a brief one suit might give you a view to choose Stay tuned, include, won't conclude Till the end is near beware, there's consequences, but what you do To me, me demon A devil of many levels, I keep on being for several of them rebels. Me, myself, he died. Me, myself, he died.